Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, and this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I'll say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. It is so much going on. It's been an interesting week for a number of reasons. So, hey, how's everybody? How you doing? What's going on? Um, <laughs> I, oh, you know, I'll be the first one to admit. I was not quite sure what I was going to talk about on the show today. It's always, you know, a cornucopia of fuckery going on in the news, so you always have quite a bit to choose from. But sometimes it's kind of overwhelming because there's so much happening, you don't know which one to prioritize, right? And so, um, you know, I'm just going to kind of spitball it today. We're going to talk about a number of things. Um, the main premise of this particular show today is Dear Black America, What's Next? And I believe that's a very legitimate question that, you know, we need to be asking one another and we need to be contemplating and we need to be putting forth, you know, an agenda, dealing with some of these issues or at least putting the issues on the table. So I'm going to read what I wrote for today's show and we're going to talk about a number of things because, you know, some of it is interrelated, some of it not so much, but, hey, we're going to work with it today. All right, so here we go. Dear Black America, what's next? Dear Black people, what's next? Do we fall into the same old rut? That should say rut, but it says rye. Do we fall into the same old rut and go along with the status quo because we were trained to do so, right? It's evident that our money and voting block is more important than they would care for us to realize what's next. Do we continue to allow our very existence be dictated by people who truly believe that they know what's best for us and will make decisions accordingly? They name the problem, and for some odd reason, too many of us or too many of you are eager to claim it. Why is that? Or do we grow a backbone and stand up? I'm just asking questions, right? So there are a number of things that have taken place in this country over the past week, but, you know, really since Donald Trump won the election. And there are a number of topics that I want to hit on today, and some of it will be um, intermingled with some personal things that I want to talk about. Right, so let's see here. Where do we start? You know, we'll start with this here. You know, something that's happening over in another country I know some of you all hate when I talk about things happening in other countries. 
especially some of you black Republicans and black libertarians out there, and I still maintain my original stance. In order for us to understand what's happening here, we need to understand what's happening there because if it's not happening here yet, it is on its way. Donald Trump proved me to be right about that when I would talk about global whiteness and global white supremacy and what was happening over in Europe and the anti-Semitic um, you know, atmosphere that was taking place, especially in France when they had that march and you know, things that were happening in Italy and all over the place. And, you know, some people weren't interested in reading about that or knowing about it. Yeah, you regret some of that now, huh? And what's so ironic is I'm not posting like I used to. I just kind of got tired of doing it, but I read a lot. And, you know, sometimes I'll get a note from people like, oh, we miss your post. You know, oh, we miss this, we miss that. I get it, and I'm going to try to get better at it, but... You know, when you do things and you feel that people aren't appreciative of it or they take it for granted, you know, you, you know, it sets you back sometimes and it makes you not really want to do too much of anything. But that's not the right attitude and the right, you know, yeah, not the right attitude to have. So anyway, there's a story out talking about the Dutch police. And what the Dutch police are doing is if they see kids who look too poor to wear it, expensive clothing, they they take the clothes from the kids because the kids look too poor to wear them. So they're assuming that these children got these clothes got the clothing from criminal enterprises or criminal acts or what have you. Go out there and, and take a take a look for this article. Um, it's on QZ.com, which is Quartz, Quartz Media. And I'm looking for the title. Here's the title of the article. Dutch police are confiscating expensive clothes from kids who look too poor to wear them. Look that shit up. Look that shit up. You know, just targeting these kids, scapegoating them. I mean, you know, for some of these kids, and I mean, I used to feel the same way about some things growing up. And after experience and talking with people and reading, you know, Sometimes when parents sacrifice to give their kids things that they could never have or, you know, a couple of expensive gifts because the rest of the year they're not able to necessarily provide those things for their children, and it gives them a boost of self-esteem, you know, and that's for some of the children. And for others, I mean, look, you don't have a right to take away somebody's shit, you know, and... This has been happening for a while. Go read this article. And, you know, we already have things like that happening over here. Um, There's a lot of things that are happening in this country that's not necessarily publicized. Or, you know, we have this media blackout because, you know, there have been a number of protests happening in this country, as well as there have been some serious mass shootings that have taken place. And there's a media blackout because the Trump administration or the pinky in the brain administration does not necessarily want these things publicized. So, you know, you go and look that up. And, you know, what was interesting was watching all these people, especially some of the white moderate Democrats and the white liberal, white progressive Democrats, you know, paying homage to Martin Luther King 
and what Martin Luther King stood for, you know, at least their sanitized version of Martin Luther King. Um, Teen Vogue just put out an article that was actually quite well written, and it was talking about Martin Luther King Jr. and how he was more radical than most people remember. So the title of the article, Martin Luther King Jr. was more radical than we remember, and it's written by Jen M. Jackson. So you can find that on Teen Vogue. Uh, Team Vogue, Lord, my lips. So, you know, that's what's going on there. You know, I want you guys to start thinking a little bit more outside of the box and start looking for, you know, articles and news that's kind of on the outskirts of the mainstream media because, again, the mainstream media does everything that they can to kind of tailor the news, to, to influence the way you think. And the same thing happens with social media, with Facebook and Twitter. But with Facebook, you know, they finally started admitting about some of the social um, engineering that was taking place, whether it's the algorithms or they would put people in certain groups and target them on purpose. And so now what they're trying to do is, quote, unquote, clean it up. But, you know, don't believe that. So for those of you who only get your news from Facebook and Twitter, you missed out on a lot. And I know some of you are like, well, why don't you post the articles and, you know, show us. That's one of the reasons why I do this show. And one of the things that I've talked about over the years is that I want you to do this for yourself. And when I hear you talk about these things, you know, I don't necessarily want to hear you quoting me. I want you to tell us how you feel and with your research, how you came to certain conclusions. You know, I want you to think for yourself. I've never wanted little mini cams running around, and I've made that quite clear. As a matter of fact, there are times when I can be very hostile to it. And so um, just please understand that, you know, what I'm trying to do, especially with the direction of, this show and some upcoming projects is I want you to be an independent critical thinker. It's important that you understand both sides of the argument. And, you know, what's so interesting with that is that I have two paper leaves, one that goes to black free thinkers and the other one that goes to the people of color beyond faith Twitter account. And sometimes what happens is when you put together those papers, you have to put in, you know, um, hashtags and keywords and different things like that. And so what it does is that it calls articles, you know, from all over the Internet. It's an algorithm that they use. And this is how they take those articles and decide what's going to be in your paper. It's automated. And so sometimes there will be some articles that are definitely white supremacists in nature. And, you know, for the most part, sometimes I'll go over and I'll see it, and sometimes I'll delete the articles, but sometimes I don't. And so what's interesting is when I have people, you know, tweeting at me, you know, how can you promote this racist propaganda or what have you, please understand that I'm not necessarily promoting the racist propaganda. These articles are automatically pulled from different hashtags and, and different people, and so, you know, uh, that's what happens. And so it's just really interesting because people get upset when they see those things. And I get it. I understand it. 
But the reason why I don't delete them as much as I used to is because I feel that you need to understand what these other people are thinking and what they're saying. I I don't agree with that shit. I do not believe that sanctuary cities are detriment to the black community. I do not believe that shit at all. Because what I need for you all to understand is that once they come after the Latinx people, and they've done whatever they wanted to do with them, whether deport them, harm them, what have you, they're going to come from come for us next. So none of us are safe. So I want to make sure that you understand that, you know, and, and I do support sanctuary cities. However, it's important for you to understand what other people think because I do know and I have met black people who have that particular sentiment and that believe such things. And you have to have these conversations with people in order to understand where they're coming from and how it impacts you, your community, and your life. You don't necessarily have to agree with it, but it would be to your best benefit to have those hard discussions with these people. And so, you know, after, you know, getting a little feedback yesterday, I went in and I changed up some of the hashtags because what I need for you guys to understand is that you have people out here who troll the hashtags. So Black Girl Magic, you know, that particular hashtag, I had that in both the papers, and it started pulling all of these crazy articles. And I was looking at it, so I decided to go ahead and pull it out. But see, the thing is, is that even with that hashtag, there were a number of beautiful articles that were pulled. So, you know, it's kind of like it's it's random, so I pulled the hashtag Black Girl Magic, which did that, it didn't make me happy at all. But, you know, I made some changes, and, yeah, it's going to be a few times when some racist-ass articles are going to make it to the papers. Hey, I understand. I get it. But what I need for you all to understand is, you know, I kind of have a life, and I kind of have other things to do. And just in case you forgot it, I'm also very, very sick, people. And, uh, (laughs) you know, know, lupus is no joke. And I'll be the first one to say the past two, three weeks have been very, very difficult for me. I missed two doctor's appointments with the same doctor and made a third appointment, and I made it to that one only because I made myself get up and out of bed. But um, this is not a cakewalk. You know, so, you know, having that in addition to all the other responsibilities happening in my life, yeah, I fall behind on some things. And so, you know, I get it. But for one special person out there, let me tell you something. And I want you to listen. And I want you to listen good. You can hide behind a large organization all you want. I still know, and this will be revisited. So that's that. So anyway, so it's been a lot going on. So, um, you know, I'm just sitting back laughing. But go out and do some research on these things. You know, what I found interesting about Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which was on the 15th, And, you know, a lot of the progressive and moderate and liberal whites that are out there heralding 
you know, the virtues of their sanitized version of Martin Luther King. What's interesting is some of these same people would vehemently disagree with some of the more radical views of Martin Luther King. And some of these are the same people that are out here cheerleading for Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. You know, they love these people once they're dead. When they're alive, oh, not so much. You know, there's going to come a day when Colin Kaepernick will not be with us anymore. And some of these people out here calling him a son of a bitch and all of these things, they're going to be championing him. You know, because, you know, they want to be on the winning team, if you will. It's a bunch of bullshit. And so, you know, I'm looking at some black people, and, you know, it's like you're falling for the okey-doke, you're falling for the bullshit, and I get it. You know, we've been trained to do that. But there comes a time when you will have to deprogram yourself and unlearn a lot of the bullshit that is, that have, that's been pushed down to us and that we continue to perpetuate. And, you know, many of you don't want to have this conversation, and I've been talking about it for years, and, you know, little by little, I'll insert some information about this. But we need to talk about how black and brown, red, yellow people, how we, and I say we because I am guilty of this also, and to know better is to do better, which is why I read a lot and, you know, I research. And there are some people that I do learn a lot from. But we also play a role in perpetuating white supremacy. And so, you know, that's a conversation, you know, a global conversation that needs to be had, especially with the sentiments of anti-blackness, you know, that's happening, you know, around the globe. So, you know, I need for you guys to pay attention to that. So, you know, I can tell you more stories about more black children that were mistreated, black and brown children that have been mistreated. And, you know, I've kind of slowed my role on things like that for the simple fact that it's depressing as fuck. You know, it's bad enough we have to live it every day. And then, you know, we have to read it. And then we talk about it. And it's like being traumatized over and over and over. And somebody sent out a tweet last night, and it was talking about, you know, traumatic experiences, you know, with people of color in our communities. And I have to go out and I have to find it. I know I inboxed it to a couple of people, so I need to go and um, pick that up and actually go out and read it. But it seems very interesting. You know, even if I don't agree with it, I do enjoy um, material like that because it forces me to think. So I'm going to move on, and we're going to talk about this white women's march that took place yesterday and today. So for those of you who aren't familiar with this, I would think that you would be somewhat familiar with it. (sighs) So last year, we had a women's march, and it was a global women's march, and it was the most successful march ever, globally, ever, you know, the women that came out and marched. And so, you know, and this was last year, and I was very honest and upfront about my disagreements with certain parts and certain components of that particular machine, if you will. 
And so, you know, I wasn't going to go out last year, but I went on because I wanted to support the organizers and activists of color, you know, and so I did that last year. didn't go out this year, you know, and I didn't advertise it, did nothing, you know. I also didn't talk badly about it. I just kind of left it alone. But, again, you know, sick, tired, and it was too damn cold outside. Sorry, that's not going to happen. But, you know, it was successful yesterday, too. And what's happening in D, not D.C., in Las Vegas, you know, today, you know, it's another march happening today. It's in Vegas, and what they're focusing on is called power to the polls, right? And so basically they're talking about voter registration, voter, voter, ah, voter mobilization, you know, the role of women of color, and they're talking about progressive and moderate politicians that they want to support and get put into office and how we can take this particular women's movement and move forward and gain power and, you know, all of these things, right? And so, you know, there have been some disagreements and critiques coming from black feminists, you know, black womanists, you know, a number of different people. And I hear the arguments and the critiques, and I I agree with quite a few of them. And so, you know, my question to you, black women in general, number one, We're like the fucking mules. And it's like all the weight, all the pressure, everything is put on our backs. But yet, at the same time, we're on the very lowest rung of the ladder. And we're mistreated, taken advantage of, abused, bullied, and a number of other things while, you know, told basically that we're not shit, while at the same time you have some of these same people saying, well, you got to get out to vote, and we don't want to talk about race because that's divisive. When you bring up race, it's divisive. When you bring up accountability for white women, that's divisive because many of them do not want to be held accountable for voting for Donald Trump. You got to remember 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump. And they don't want to have these conversations about this. And so you have the Me Too movement happening right now, which is a wonderful thing. Tarana Burke, I'm glad that some people are giving her the credit that she needs, but I feel that everyone should give her the credit that she deserves. And... Um, you know, I'm looking at it, and yet again, you know, they're pointing to Alabama and black voters, but particularly black women voters that defeated Roy Moore, right, and how vital we were. And it's extremely important that you all take note of this because this is the thing. We've been pulled into these different movements. We've tried to work with these people on a number of occasions over the years. And what happens is once they get what they want, they throw us under the bus. So this is where this what's next comes in for this particular subject right here. What's next? The politicians that you helped them to put in office, are you going to hold them accountable 
when they continue to perpetuate policies that are anti-black, brown, red, and yellow, and anti-poor or anti-poverty? Will you vote them out? Or will you continue voting these people into office because of name recognition or, you know, uh, the lesser of two evils, you know, trope that a lot of people like to use? My thing is vote them in, vote them out, recall them. You know, if they're not going to do what we want and need for them to do, vote them out. But, see, this is my whole thing. This is what's next for me. Why aren't you all running for office? And so it's interesting because you have a number of these social justice organizations and movements that are out here. And, you know, yay, it's the year of the woman, and yeah, we're going to do all of this, and yay, Women's March, and woohoo, you know, happy days are here again. And you bring up, well, what about having some of your people run for office? Oh, yes, we're thinking about that. We've been talking about it. Yay. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, have you seriously organized that? And so then the question becomes, what do you mean by seriously organize that? Well, the people that you would like to run for office, are they familiar with the issues? Are they familiar with the history of the issues, meaning what happened, what took place that caused that particular issue to be, you know, front page news? What prompted these politicians to enact this particular policy or to pass this particular law? You know, are you preparing debate prep? You know, are you teaching your people how to pivot? and how to transform, different things like that. You know, what are you doing to engage the community, to build momentum, to get the attention of the community? Are you holding town halls? Are you talking with the people and asking them what they want? Or will you continue with the tradition of deciding what you think is best for a group of people and doing that without ever having a conversation with the marginalized group that you're so-called protecting. What's next? There are a lot of changes that need to take place. And so, you know, this is one of my, you know, my gripes here because, again, when you have 53% of white women voting for Donald Trump, it becomes very clear very quickly that they centered their vote around their white identity, right around white identity politics, you know, which is one of the reasons why they don't want to have that conversation and why they see it as divisive. And what I don't understand is talking about racism. If that's divisive to you, then why are you trying to recruit women of color? And so one of the mistakes that were made with the last election, and, you know, I made the same mistake. I did not believe that there were enough white people to elect Donald Trump. None of us had anticipated the latent racism that would bubble up to the surface, tell Donald Trump into office. 
Now, we talk about white supremacy. We talk about white resentment. We talk about a number of these issues. And, you know, one of the things that you hear from white people in general, I don't have a racist bone in my body. You know, we're not trying to make no damn soup. We don't need your bones. You know, and in 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 that also convenient black friend, that one black friend that every white person has. You know, Uncle Ben, Omarosa, you know them kind of folks, the ones that have no problem shucking and jiving for their dinner, being your damn mammy. You know, um, and a number of other horrible things that I could say. You know. It's just not worth it. You know, I'm talking about saying some of these things. But, you know, the actions. You know, what the hell is on your mind? What are you doing? And so what's happening with this white women's march and this white women's um, this white women's movement that's happening now, and again, you know, you have... You have black organizations that are part of this, you know, and they're trying to work collectively, they're trying to collaborate, and that's a wonderful thing. However, we need to be discerning in trying to better understand the motivation behind some of these white women. You know, is it about money and power, for a lot of people, that is the center of what they're trying to do. And that's across the board, black, white, red, yellow, blue, everybody, male, you know, woman, man. And, you know, what's interesting, you know, about all of this is that I've talked about it before. And I've talked about how some of these people, especially some of these white women and white men, with this white fragility, right? And that goes into the white tears and, you know, the feigned surprise and, you know, um, you know the umbrage, all of that, when you call them out on their bullshit, right? And so what happens is, you know, some of them will engage in shady-ass behavior, you know, um, you know, undercover bullshit, and then what they try to do is turn around and, again, those white tears or, again, feigned surprise, saying, well, oh, I wasn't aware that that was, you know, an issue or that you were that sensitive about that issue. I only said and did that because I wanted to learn or I wanted to help, and I wasn't aware that that was considered offensive, as well as a number of other excuses that they use. And they do it over and over and over again. So over the weekend, I was watching some of the marches and some of the, you know, talks that had been given, you know, you had Viola Davis there and Brittany and a number, you know, Maggie, just a number of wonderful people that were there and giving talks and, you know, great job, everybody. You know, I enjoyed seeing you. 
And, you know, one of the things, that was something that happened that just pissed me off. And what was interesting is I was on the phone with Raina. And so Raina was like, Kim, did you see this? Someone put one of those pink pussy hats on top of Harriet Tubman's statue. And so needless to say, after, you know, several obscenities left my mouth, you know, we were talking about it, and we were like, what the hell is on these people's minds? So whoever it was that put the pink pussy hat on Harriet Tubman, you know, a pox on you and your house. So there was nothing cute about that bullshit, you know. And so, again, you know, I'm looking at all of this, and and again, I agree. Women need to be able to speak more, speak up. They need to run for office. They need to be afforded the same salaries. They need to be afforded the same opportunities. They need to be afforded everything that is afforded to a man. But I also want to make sure that women of color understand the history behind that. And, again, you know, I've talked about in the past about with the New Deal and FDR and how those particular programs from the New Deal, how those were basically put in place for white women and affirmative action, EEOC, all of that benefits white women more than anyone else. And these were put into play specifically for white women who were married to soldiers and and military men so that they could maintain over here in this country while their husbands were away. And so, you know, you need to understand the history to get a better understanding about what's happening now. And so, you know, again, you know, this is nothing new. History repeats itself. So what you're seeing with the social justice movement and the resistance movement in its current state, right, um, this has happened before, whereas these movements have been co-opted. You've had, you know, white people who have come in and capitalized off of it, and we talked a little bit about racialized capitalism last week. You remember, go back and listen to the show. And unfortunately for a, for way too many of these white people, it is about money and power. Money, power, control, all of that. And so I think it's important that, you know, you start questioning these people and you make them answer your question. I had posted or reposted or retweeted um, a video of a black woman who was talking to a politician. She was one of his constituents. And so she was trying to talk to him, and he ignored her. And he had a habit of ignoring her and other people of color that were in his district, if you will. That happens often. And that happens in all of these different communities. You know, and so that's why when I sit back and I see this, and I'm trying to get a better understanding. And you know what? I'll be. You know what? I'll say this. In certain regards, in regards to behavior and behavior patterns, 
I have, you know, participated in some way in some of this, like trying to get the same people to answer the same question and never getting an answer. And it's not necessarily just only white people, you know, trying to get an answer from black people too in certain regards. And you keep running into that brick wall. And it's like, you know, you say to yourself, why do you keep doing this to yourself? And so, you know, in regards to all of this, you know, with the white women's march and, you know, um, with liberal, progressive, moderate, white politicians, and, you know, please understand that there are moderate white Republicans as well who are decent people in general. And if we do not force them to follow through on their campaign promises, you know, they will continue to do the same thing over and over. And, I mean, we've seen this. We've lived it. And you need to hold these people accountable. And I need for black, brown, red, and yellow people to understand that collectively we can force a hell of a lot of changes. And then when you incorporate poor white and working class white, you know, into that equation, it gives us even more power. One of the issues that come into play is, unfortunately, you know, there's this superiority complex going around with some white people who feel like they should be in charge of everything and everyone. And it doesn't matter if they know what they're talking about or if they don't know what they're talking about they're supposed to be in charge. Example number one, the pinky and the brain administration. So it's important that you guys, you understand this, and we need to be more aggressive in asserting ourselves, saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Like I said, you know, grow a backbone and stand the fuck up because, you know, we don't have the luxury of time anymore. And so, you know... I love my doctor, and so, you know, we'll do our little visit, and then the rest of the time we're talking about, you know, politics, and, you know, the the subject of immigration came up, and we were talking about, you know, the dotard's stance and the shutdown of the government, and, and, well, it hadn't started yet. Government hadn't shut down when I had the doctor's appointment, but we knew it was going to happen. You know, again, we have those dog whistles that are out there, and white people respond to those differently than black people. And so I need for you to understand that. And so regarding, you know, what's happening now, this is being done deliberately. If you go and you look at the statistics on illegal immigrants, there are more Polish and Irish white immigrants that are in this country illegally than than there are immigrants of color. But that's why I'm saying that it's not necessarily against illegal immigration per se. It's not about, you know, Mexicans and their immigration per se, because if you go back and you look up and see what happened with, you know, deportations, you will see that President Obama deported a hell of a lot of people. And I touched on that last week when I was talking about the Haitians. 
you know, there are a lot of black immigrants in this country that are being deported like crazy as well. But that particular narrative is being lost in the mix. And we cannot allow that to happen. And this is one of the reasons why you have certain immigrants that do not necessarily want to be a part of these movements because where was your concern and your righteous indignation when their families were being ripped apart? And so, you know, again, Donald Trump made it clear, why can't we have more people from Norway? They want more white immigrants coming over here. And it goes even beyond that. You have Stephen Miller. He wants to stop legal immigration of any person of color. And I need for you guys to pay attention to that. And for those of you who are not familiar with Steve Miller, he is one of Steve Bannon's sycophants. And he's the one that they send out to do the news, to do the, you know, um, to be a talking head and to rebut and refute certain accusations made against the Pinky and the Brain administration. And this guy, you know, It's kind of hard to put into words, you know, but he's just a jackass. And so you need to go out and educate yourself on him and who he is and, you know, the arrogance. And just, just, you could just see the venom just sliding down his face. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something with this guy. And so I need for you guys to pay attention to this. But, you know, what's interesting about all of this is that over the years I've made it clear and I've talked about how, you know, the racism and sexism, just a number of these xenophobic, you know, um, issues that are on the table right now and how all of this was cultivating and fostering an environment in which we could have another dictator rise to power. Now, what's interesting is you have people out here who are saying, well, that's Donald Trump. He thinks he's a dictator. He wants to be the dictator-in-chief and all of that. Yeah, you know, he has his issues, and, you know, we need, and he's doing more damage than what many of you even realize. But the real danger or, the you know, the person that I think is going to be the real dictator, it's not Donald Trump. It's somebody else. And I don't know who it is. I have not put my finger on it. They may or may not be in power yet. But if we think this is bad with Trump, wait until you see what's coming next. Because I just got a real bad feeling about all of this. And like I told you last week, I hope you guys are saving money. I really do. I hope you're saving money out there. Um, because I don't see it getting any better. And so regarding this shutdown, this was done deliberately, you know. And, um, you know, what I find interesting with Donald Trump is, you know, he tells you exactly what's on his mind and what he's thinking and what he wants to do. And what I find, you know, interesting and aggravating And, you know, a number of other adjectives that I could use to describe that. What I find is most frustrating about the media and and some of the white people and some of the black people that are out here, you know, heralding, you know, Donald Trump 
is you all will take what he says and you know and, and you try to nuance it and you try to twist it into meaning what you want it to mean. Now we've all been guilty of that. I know I have. Like what the hell? So you know you try to put a nice spin on it and make it come across as as more palatable as or as much as you can. But see, this is the thing with this guy here with Donald Trump. What you're trying to do is turn that mindless moron's mores into parables and into niceties. And you can't do that. Look, if someone is talking to you in parables, they're fucking lying to you. You know, and and it's so funny because when you get pissed off and you demand that they speak in plain English, you know, they think that shit is funny. And um, and then they get angry when you refuse to talk to them ever again. You know, but it all boils down to is even if you take his mindless moron mores, turn it into parables, turn it into, you know, a haiku, whatever the fuck you're going to do with his words, they're still lies. He's a pathological liar, and no matter what you say or do, you can't clean that up. It's there. And, and 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 it's not going away. And he's not going to allow these people to contain and control him, which is one of the reasons why, even though I resent the fuck out of the fact that he's the president and that I have to deal with this bullshit all day, every day, every time you turn on the news, somebody record, you know, somebody is, is, is um, you know, complaining about this jackass. You know, I saw some stories today. People are upset because Statue of Liberty was shut down because of the government shutdown. Look, you know, I get it. I understand it. You know, oh, well, the visitors to this country are going to be upset because they can't go to see the Statue of Liberty. Look, you know what? They all took, they all snatched the torch out of the Statue of Liberty's hand, and they, they basically made her give the middle finger. And basically what they're saying is go up there, sit on that middle finger, and spin. That is what Donald Trump is telling you. And so I'm just sitting here because it's like, you know, he even stated last year, I believe it was September or October, more than likely September, that the government needed a good shutdown. This was done deliberately. And from my understanding, you know, McConnell, Schumer, Lindsay, and a few other ones, they are claiming that they do not necessarily understand, and you understand perfectly what the hell he wants. He wants that damn wall. In addition to wanting that wall, he wants it all paid for by the American people, even though Mexico was supposed to pay for it. You know, you're a negotiator-in-chief. And so basically, you know, some of the on some of the shows today, I saw Lindsey Graham talking about Chuck Schumer and saying, well, you know, a lot of us on this side don't trust Chuck Schumer. And I don't trust his ass either. But I also don't trust you. None of you can be trusted because you've already been bought and paid for. And see, that's one of the issues that need to be discussed as well. You know, we need to talk about Citizens United. We need to talk about Alex. You know, we need to talk about the Koch brothers and the dark money 
and all of these corporations and the money that's now being filtered into these campaigns. We need to talk about the money that's untraceable and in some cases coming from foreign entities to influence our elections. You know, I used to say $100,000 per candidate, but we'll bump it up to a million. Each candidate should be given $1 million, and that's it, and that's all, and let them run off of that. No private donations, nothing, just a $1 million each, and you go from there. And you better get a hell of a lot of volunteers. And so what happens is, you know, because I've seen a lot of shit happen over the years, you have these organizations and these people out here, you know, that have people behind them that support them and will volunteer to help them out in any way whatsoever. And what happens is you'll have some of these same people take advantage of the people that are volunteering and giving money and helping them and make it seem as though these people are obligated to do these things or that these people owe them. They don't owe you shit. Maybe if you appreciated the people around you better, you know, maybe you would get better results, right? And so, you know, again, I kind of have this thing about working for free. You know, um, I've done it before. I've done it in the past. And, you know, I don't mind doing some things for people. You know, hey, it's, it's okay, right? You know, but, you know, what's interesting about it is with me, because of everything that's going on in my life, you know, with the illness and all of that, you know, yeah, I know you got three meetings this week and you want me to attend all three of them, and I only showed up twice last month and you had 12 meetings and you don't understand, look, when I do show up, it's because I want to. I help you in ways, many, many different ways. And, um, you know, again, I understand you just want people there. You want to know that you got a team, you got a squad. Okay, cool, I get that. You know, but when you start taking people for granted and you start taking advantage of people, this is why you get the turnover that you get. So every one, two, three years, your entire squad changes because all the people that were there originally are gone. You need to ask yourself why and what happened. And so, you know, what's so interesting is, you know, going back into that work for free thing, you know, unfortunately, you know, some of the people in this country, especially some of these racist white folks, that are out here, you know, black people became lazy and no good when we decided that we weren't going to work for free anymore. And so, you know, when I sit here and I see all these debates about, you know, immigrants, whether they're legal or illegal, um, you know, I have to go back and tell some of these white people to go back and read the history because when the slaves were so-called emancipated, what happened is the United States went and brought a lot of Chinese people into this country. 
You know, you you I've seen some white people sitting around like, where did all these Asians come from? Where did all these Chinese people? You brought them here. And so, you know, what's interesting is, you know, one of the points I made last week is the fact that Donald Trump can sign a piece of paper and deport a lot of people out of this country. He doesn't have to take it before the House or the Senate. And you need to understand that. And that's a lot of power to be given someone like him. And so, you know, I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to figure out and get a better understanding regarding the direction we're trying to go in this country. Because you have people out here saying that this country was built on the backs of immigrants. And, you know, I do have a lot of cynicism in me and a lot of snark because, see, this is the thing. The so-called immigrants that built this country allegedly, they didn't come over here necessarily voluntarily. You know, and this country was built on the backs of slaves, and our economy has been built up and maintained on anti-blackness and anti-brown people and Islamophobia and anti-red and yellow people, all of that, you know, and and, and to a certain extent, anti-poor white. You know, it's so interesting because when I talk about poor white people, there is a stigma behind that. And, you know, I've been encouraging you guys to go out and read a number of books, um, you know, over the years. And, you know, I have a lot of these books, and some of them, you know, I've gotten a chance to crack and, you know, read a little bit here, you know, kind of speed read through. But it's a few of these books that I actually really just want to sit down, you know, and have me some tropical drinks minus the alcohol and enjoy myself and read peace and quiet with the grill going and my music and all of the above, right? And, you know, get a chance to read these books. And um, you're doomed to repeat history if you don't understand it and if you don't know it. And history repeats itself. So... I don't know, guys. You know, I'm trying to get a better understanding as to what's happening, where we're going, what's going to be the result of A, B, C, D, and E, and, you know, how we're going to get from point A to point B. But, yeah, you know, you have a lot of people out here that, you know, definitely want to see people working for free. And, you know, on Twitter, you know, there was this one thread going around, and it was talking about people asking other folks, especially women of color, black women, to write for free. And I'm not sure if you all are aware of this, but right now there's um, a lawsuit going on for black women that have not been compensated for writing for a black magazine. I think it's Ebony. And, you know, you need to pay attention to that because you have a lot of folks that will walk up to you and ask you 
to do things for free for them. And even if you help out a little bit, the minute that you say, no, I'm kind of tired of this, you know, it's like their fucking head explodes because they feel as though you owe it to them. You owe it to them to work for free. You owe it to them to do all of these things. You know, I had an experience most recently, one of many, but this is the only one that I'm going to share at this time. The other ones, wait until you all read my damn book, you know, and I got receipts for your ass on that shit. But, you know, one particular experience, and, you know, I was trying to figure it out, and I'm like, what the hell is something that doesn't feel right about this particular situation? Because, all right, you want to do this with no money. And you want all of these people to be there. And you have no money to pay them. But you can pay the expenses, so the flight tickets, the food, the hotel, but you don't necessarily have a budget to pay an honorarium. And so you have all of these people that have committed and say, okay, we'll forego the honorarium and be there. And so you're over there, you're ecstatic, you know, and a conversation comes up and, you know, the word that you use is negotiation. Well, if someone is going to do something for free, what is the negotiation? But that's neither here nor there. It's none of my business, right? That's just curious minds. You know, we do hear this shit. We may not always say anything, but we do hear it. And so, um, you know, the conversation moves forward. And you're like, okay, so if you can't do A, B, or C, then maybe we can do this as a compromise. Because let me make sure you all understand something. Number one, in general, I don't really care for doing these talks. I'll do them here and there, but I'm not one of those people that are running out here trying to be a part of, you know, the chitlin circuit of whatever movement it is you're a part of, right? And let me clarify that when I say the chitlin circuit. I'm talking about it can be the LGBTQ mainstream community. I'm talking about the white ones because what I need for you to understand is with some of these white organizations and these white movements and all of this, they'll pay the other white folks, the ones that they deem as worthy and important, and they'll lowball everybody else, especially if you're a person of color. And so you need to always kind of keep that into mind, keep that in mind, right? Now, you know, I'm not trying to be a part of any of that. I mean, I could care less. You know, that's not what rocks my boat. But when you come to me 
and you ask Kim, blah, 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 and I'm like, all right, so, you know, we're talking about it. Okay, so, if you can't do this, then this is what I want in return, which will be basically helping out one of the organizations, you know, or or people that I'm working with at the time or that I support, right? And then your response is, well, I'm not sure I can do that. And I'm like, what do you mean you're not sure if you can do that? Well, we're doing something over here, and we don't want, and I'm like, okay, let me think about that. But I want to invite, you know, three or four people, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's fine, but if you can get them to pay full price for the ticket, that would be great. Mind you, these people are from marginalized communities. So, you don't have any money to pay me, you don't want to barter, and you want the people that support me, you know, you know, three or four people that I invite, you want them to pay full price for everything. So basically, you just want me to work for free and you can capitalize off of me. That's not how that works. And apparently you ain't been around long enough to ask about me. It's probably something you may want to do next time. Because um, I don't take too kindly to shit like that, right? But I let it go. But what I'm saying is, please don't do that again. It's not going to end well next time. And for those that have been around and know a little bit about me, y'all know I give no fucks about calling people out by name on this show. And... That's all I got to say about that. So anyway, yeah, black people were, you know, all great and wonderful when they were slaves, but when they decided they weren't working for free anymore, we became lazy, we became stupid, we became rockheads, you know, and when I say rockheads, you know, don't forget about um, the Terry dude over in Texas who had that big-ass rock, and I think they called it a nigger's head, some bullshit like that. You know, it's been a while since I've seen that, you know. And um, you got folks out here that will take advantage of you. You And, and again, even with this particular movement, now, you know, let me make sure I make something very, very, very clear. I support women standing up for themselves. I support women having or being afforded the opportunity to do whatever the hell they want to do with their lives. I support women not being forced to have children that they don't want, having children that they can't afford, or just not having any children, period. That is their choice. 
and they and they alone should be able to make those choices for themselves. I support women being able to fight on the front line if that's what they so choose to do. I believe that women should be paid the equal amount for equal work. I believe that women should be in leadership positions across the board. If we are 50% of the population and let's say it's a corporation and 75% of your products and services are sold to women and you have a board of directors that consists of 10 people and there are only two women on it, there's something wrong with that picture. And so, you know, I just want to make sure, you know, it's understood that I am pro-woman. What I'm anti is bullshit. I'm against bullshit. Whether it's coming from white people, black people, red, brown, yellow, purple, whatever the fuck you want to call yourself, you know, but, you know, again, I'm also against shady-ass behavior, and especially when you try to feign surprise or ignorance. You're always going to get a negative response from me regarding that, period. And so, you know, like I said, you know, with your guy up there, the dotard, and the shit that he's pulling. You know, when it comes to DACA, they need to honor their word. You know, they've made promises to these people, and they need to honor that. You know, so I'm pro-immigrant. You understand? And, and in that particular regard, you know, all of this plays into the racist narrative that Donald Trump built his entire campaign on, what he ran on. I don't understand why any of you are out there confused. He made it plain. One thing I will say is you understand the fucking words that are coming out of that guy's mouth. He doesn't hide it. And this is one of the reasons why you have certain people, you know, how they were sitting back and watching Donald Trump and his behavior. And, you know, even with um, the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, when he was talking about Donald Trump, and, you know, a few times when he was talking about Donald Trump, just the smile that would be on his face, and I was, like, saying to myself, uh, you know, he knew this was going to be entertaining and amusing, yet terrifying and scary at the same time. But sitting back and watching the political elite or the power elite or the well-heeled moneyed people trying to contain Donald Trump, now that's amusing as hell. You know, and like I said, we're being forced to participate in this reality show, whether we want to be a part of it or not. But, you know, a little comic relief here and there does a soul good, right? And so, you know, with some of this stuff, you know, I laugh. And then I feel bad for laughing because it's like, yeah, we're going to be paying for that shit for the next 10 years. And everything that we're dealing with, well, not everything, but quite a bit of what we're dealing with now 
is a result of President Barack Obama being elected. You know, the Republicans do not know how to govern. What they know how to do is to converge together, pinpoint an enemy, and continue to attack, 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 oppose, oppose, oppose. They have to have a common enemy. And if you pay attention, that's Donald Trump's MO2, which is why he picks on people and he attacks them and he attacks them and he attacks them. That is their method of operation. And you need to pay attention to this because they do it over and over. Like I said, history repeats itself. And now that the Republicans are in charge of the, you know, the reps, the House of Reps, the Senate, the White House, and quite possibly the Supreme Court. I mean, you need to go back and you need to look up all of the federal judgeships that are being, you know, um, that are being filled, the positions being filled by young white Republicans, primarily men, handpicked by the pinky and the brain administration. Those are going to impact you more directly. So you need to pay attention. So what's happening now is, from my understanding, from what I've read and what I've heard on these news shows, and I, you know, look shit up after I hear it. And basically, Eric Holder, um, Barack Obama, and a number of other black politicians are going to be out here campaigning pretty hard. Now, you know this is going to throw Trump into meltdown mode, and especially because now they're challenging the redlining, the redistricting, the gerrymandering, and all of this. And if you all pay attention to what happened in North Carolina, in which, you know, at one point they were being, you know, basically the ruling came down that the way that the districts had been drawn were illegal and that they needed to be redrawn. And so they keep going back and forth to court about that. And you need to understand that what happened is the Republicans in all of these different states had the district lines, you know, they they redrew them so that no matter, you know, what type of Democrat won and how many, it didn't matter how many votes that Democrat got, that the Republicans would still be in control. And what they did was very deliberate, very methodical. And this is something that they had been working on from the 60s and the 70s, which is why they were, you know, basically running the majority of, you know, the governorships, you know, the state legislatures, all of that. And the Democrats slept on that shit. And so did we. And so I hope that you're paying attention and you're getting a better understanding of what's happening and what we're going through and why we're going through it and what the results will be. Now, you know, Trump may or may not, you know, um, um, complete his first term. I believe that he will. And at this point, I'm sticking with my guns. 
I believe he's going to win re-election at this point. And as scary as that sounds, there's a really good chance at this point that he will. And yet we still have people out here who do not want to have a real conversation about race, about sex. And when I say sex, I'm talking about sexism, misogyny, patriarchy, paternalism, all of that, right? And, I mean, you could throw the other sex in there, too, you know, with respectability politics, and especially since I'm talking about Trump and, and the alleged affair that he had with the porn star. And, you know, she received allegedly $130,000. Now, under normal circumstances, I'm like, so damn what? Who cares? However, with him being a politician, being the president of the United States, that becomes a problem. And so, you know, there are reasons why people are upset about that. And when I say that becomes a problem, what I mean by that, because let me go ahead, you know, and clarify, because, you know, people take shit and they twist it. And so what I mean by that, when I say that is, even though he had these people signing non-disclosure agreements and all of that, who's to stop them from trying to blackmail him or extort more money out of him? So that's where the problem comes in, you know, and especially since, you know, he does not necessarily have a reputation of being, you know, a woman's advocate. So, yeah, you know, I'm just looking at all of this shit. And I'm just thinking about some things, and like I said, it was no specific rhyme or reason for today's show, but, um, you know, what I will say is feminism is not just for white women, you know, and and what's interesting is the hashtag that went around many years ago, you know, solidarity is for white women, and I agreed with them when they said that because they want us to walk in solidarity with them on their terms in ways to benefit them. But when we start talking about issues that imperil, you know, black women and non-black women of color, um, then it becomes divisive. And then you don't want to talk about racism. And then you attempt to engage us in the same conversations over and over. And, you know, I read that quote from Charles Blow last week. Basically, stop arguing about the merits of racism and all of these things for the simple fact that, you know, you have these people out here that will engage you on that and have you fighting against that, fighting against the same type of, you know, narratives and tropes that have been out here for decades while at the same time they're just waiting for you to go under and drown. That's being done on purpose, and that's being done in a, in a number of these communities out here. The same tactic. I just need for you guys to wake up, pay attention, call it out for what it is, and not go for it and hold these people accountable. 
So, you know, I'm all for voter registration. I'm all for voter mobilization. I'm all for getting out the vote, going into the communities, talking to the people, having these town halls, doing all of these things. I'm there for all of that. But what are we going to do when these same white people do what they've always done, which is throw us under the bus and do nothing or throw a few scraps out there to a few, you know, tokens of color and then have them, you know, out here trying to oversee us and, 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 get us under control and contain us, you know, by out here doing the people of color shucking job values march, right? Because some of these people, these tokens of color, that's all they're doing is shucking and jiving. They're dancing for their dinner. And I'll tell you that. And there are many different ways in which that happens and how that takes place. So, you know, dear black America, What's next? You know, even with the issues that we're dealing with now, when they were talking about the immigration, when Donald Trump called Africa and Haiti and El Salvador and possibly other places shitholes, you know, I want you to go back and read some of the articles about that because someone brought up the Congressional Black Caucus. And Donald Trump says he did not care what that block wanted. He doesn't give a shit what they want. He doesn't, you know, so, I mean, what's next? Especially those of you that voted for Donald Trump. What's next? Trying to push all the Latinx people out of this country ain't going to help you. Trying to push out all of the Muslims in this country ain't going to help you. Throwing out all 26 letters of the alphabet behind your name, that ain't going to help you. Being the CEO or the president or, you know, the director of ABC Corporation, that ain't going to help you. None of that shit is going to save you. So what's next? And that's a legitimate question. You know, and, you know, what's interesting is you have a number of people running around, and, you know, you all know how I feel about them no-teps. And you'll have a bunch of them saying, well, black people need to put their money together, and we need to build up our economy and all of these different things. That's not going to save us either. You know, and so one of the things that I used to get upset about, and I still do, you know, sometimes when I talk on the show and sometimes I'll say things and make it seem like it's, you know, past tense when it's not. So, you know, I just want to clear that up. But, you know, with some of these movements, again, started, maintained, financed, resourced by black women or women of color, and in some cases, white women, you'll have these men run in and try to take control and take over once they see that it's successful 
and that is financed and that participation is there. And this happens often. You know, what are we going to do about that? Because, see, you'll have these same men out here telling you, oh, well, you need a man in charge, and, you know, I know better what to do, even though you've never been in charge of anything. You haven't even been in charge of your own life. But you feel like you come over here and dictate what's happening. You guys need to understand that there is no hierarchy in social justice. There is no hierarchy in resistance, you know. And so, you know, you have these people out here saying, oh, well, your blackness comes first. Or, you know, you know, being, you know, Latinx, that comes before any of this other stuff. Not necessarily. And so, um, you know, again, I'm just here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. I want you to look at some of these situations from a number of different perspectives because it's important. And, you know, I know some people are like, why is she shitting on the white women's march? I'm not shitting on the white women's march. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, the same critiques I had last year are the same critiques I have this year, except they're a little bit more expounded. And, you know, again, you know, you have some women out here, some women of color, black women, that are ready to just give up on feminism and walk away from it. That's not the answer either. And what's unfortunate, you know, but, I mean, this Women's March and what took place this weekend is just another example of this, that feminism, as it's defined right now in America specifically, feminism is basically thriving off of and maintained by the ability of white women. If it discomforts them, they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to advocate for it. They aren't even going to really even acknowledge that it exists. So feminism, to a certain degree, as it stands in America, is dependent on the comfort level of white women. And you need to understand that. Do not allow them to take this Me Too movement away from Tarana Burke. Acknowledge her, support her, encourage her, because this is not easy, especially when you have, you know, these so-called celebrities out here, white women celebrities trying to take over everything. And speaking of white women celebrities, that damn comedian, whatever her name is, Amy Schumer, I don't like any of her stuff. I don't understand the half of right? But there is some controversy out here now with Monique and how Netflix lowballed Monique and even Wanda Sykes and was offering Amy Schumer or Tracy Schumer, Amy Schumer, the world. So it's Amy Schumer, guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks. And, you know, again, you know, black women have been lowballed all along. It happens. And it continues to happen. Part of it is because is in many cases we weren't talking, we weren't telling it. 
And now that we're talking and we're telling it and we're putting it out there, we're finding out more and more of what's been happening. And so how you've been taken for granted, you've been taken advantage of, all of that. And so I haven't really done too much reading into all of that. But, again, when I say women deserve, you know, equal pay, I'm talking about black women also deserves equal pay to white women. Latinx women deserves equal pay to white women. Indigenous, you know, First Nations women deserves equal pay and respect and all of that as white women in the rest of us. So, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, we stay on point, that we don't lose our focus, that we continue to talk and put that information out there. And, um, you know, I just, I'm looking at it, you know, and, and what's getting me, you've heard me talk about this, when you have people, this so-called white people, and their so-called social justice movements and their resistance movements and how they come in to our communities and take our terms, take our culture, take our whatever, right? And they co-opt it and appropriate it, and they redefine it. You know, on one term particular, particularly that they just totally just run into the ground is intersectionality. And what happens is when you have these white women coming over and taking the word and the concept of intersectionality, what they're doing is basically they're watering it down. They're taking away the absolute power of the word and the concept in which, you know, the, you know they're taking the power of it away. There had to have been reasons and experiences and and. Um, in, in situations which birthed forward that particular word and, and concept, and it gets whitewashed, and it loses its power. It loses its effectiveness, and they turn around and they twist it, and they twist it to mean anything that they want it to mean to support whatever they're trying to support at that time even if they use our word and appropriate our word and our concepts and our culture to undermine us. And we've allowed it to happen for too long, for too long. And so, you know, I need for you guys to pay attention. And, you know, if you want to go to Bree Newsome, B-R-E-E, last name Newsome, N-E-W-S-O-M-E, and she was the one that climbed the pole in South Carolina and snatched the Confederate flag down that Nikki Haley took, you know, credit for, right? And so um, she, Bree Newsom has written some, you know, some really good posts um, and blogs and, and given some great talks talking about, you know, white women and affluent white women and how they come into these different movements, and in particular the feminist movement, and how they change the very scope of it, and how they water it down, and how they whitewash it. So, um, you know, she also talks about Brie Newsom. 
she also talks about how with these different movements, how when you have these affluent white women, not all of them are affluent, you know, but you have these white women that are coming into these movements, and they're taking the focus of the words and the concepts of the group that was being, you know, shielded with those particular you know, words and concepts, what they're doing is they're taking the focus off of those particular groups that needed protection, and they're focusing it on themselves and and, and their objectives. And so then it becomes white-centered, and we've talked about this, and how every time we have a movement or we're trying to do something, how the focus ends up on white women and white women and men being centered in the conversation. And so when you have people like Bree Newsom and Tarana Burke and even with um, Alicia Garza and a number of other people out here, they're trying to put the focus in, you know, I can't forget, I can't forget Kimberly Crenshaw, you know, um, I can't forget Crystal Fleming and, you know, a, a number, I think it's Crystal Fleming, but, um, you know, a number of women out here that are teaching this. And they're trying to reshift the focus back to, you know, marginalized women, primarily women of color, and put the focus back where it belongs. And this is not to say that white women have not seen their share of troubles and that white women have not been victimized. You know, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is we're no longer going to allow you to factor us out of our own fucking conversations. We're not going to allow you to continue to whitewash our pain, whitewash our experiences, and whitewash it to the point that it's now about you. And it's put in such a way that makes you comfortable. You understand it? So I'm just sitting back. And I'm looking at this shit, and, yeah, I'm laughing my ass off about some of that stuff, but I'm real serious. Whoever put that damn hat on Harriet Tubman, a pox upon you and your damn house, you know. And um, I'm laughing, you know, about these woke white folks. Yeah, the woke white folks, you know. You know they're trying to define what woke means too, right? So, you know, I go out there and read, speak up, and you can't allow these people to refocus or redefine, you know, our our pain, our experiences, our culture, you know, us. Because the truth of the matter is they're trying to factor black women, period, out of existence, out of the equation, period. And so, anyway, uh, one thing that Crystal Fleming did say, she she put out a tweet. And she was talking about white supremacist capitalism is totally fine with the women's march. A poor people's march, on the other hand, 
And that's absolutely correct. You know, because again, as I stated at the beginning of the podcast, because many of these people, it's about money and power. And until you all recognize that, challenge Nelmonic, call them out about it, and even to a certain degree, you're going to have to step back and not support the shit. Because, again, I did touch upon us perpetuating white supremacy on a number of different levels, and it's a very real problem. And it's something that we all do. That includes me. That's why to know better is to do better. I'm reading. I'm learning. You know, if you're one of these people out here who feel that you've learned all that you needed to learn over the years and you're not trying to learn no more, don't waste my time by talking to me. Because you already got the answers. You know, I want to talk to people who are learning like myself. Maybe sometimes we can figure this out and learn this shit together. It's always nice to have someone that you can talk to about, you know, what the hell is going on and, you know, how it made you feel. Unfortunately, it's a number of us that are out here that were made to feel that we were all alone and that nobody agreed with you, that nobody understood what you were saying. And it's a fucking lie. And you have people that will want to isolate you and ostracize you to the point where you think it is only you and you believe that, you know, all of these folks are, man, let me tell you, it's bullshit. So, um, you know, I'm not going to really go on too much longer, but there is an article that I want you all to go out and read. I'm done with today's subject, right? Um, There's an article out here in The Nation, and it's titled, How Gang Policing is Criminalizing Whole Communities. Again, how gang policing is criminalizing whole communities, and that's in the nation. So I want you guys to go out there and um, read that, you know. And also some short film that's coming out. And I'm going to go and watch it first before I repost it on Facebook or somewhere. But, um, yeah, yeah, you know, those that, you know, feel like turning over your feminism, you know, or turning over feminism to white women, don't do that. Sojourner Truth would be rolling over in her grave. You know, if you need some motivation, go back and listen to her Ain't I a Woman speech. You know, so, you know, you go ahead and do that. Another article that I want you guys to go out and read, um, this was in Teen Vogue. Now, you know what? They got a black woman, and I forgot her name. My apologies that she's, like, running Teen Vogue now. And Teen Vogue has been lit, you know. So they got another article out here. Uh, the title of it is, Going to Jail for Being Poor Just Got Easier. So, you know, it talks about debtors' prisons and how all of that um, came about and how it's being revisited and how it's still in this country But, you know, they have different ways of, you know, perpetuating that bullshit, like the money bill, which is why you see people saying end money bill. There is no reason for a person to be in jail for jaywalking for a year, and they've lost their job, their home, their car, their family, everything. You should not be in jail because you're poor. And also these municipalities should not be growing wealthy and paying for jobs for racist white folks to imprison 
and the scapegoat communities of color through tax dollars, through those fines and fees. You know, all of this shit needs to be addressed. You know, you know, we were talking about Ferguson. Ferguson is everywhere. So, you know, you go back and you all look this stuff up. Um, for those that are in Chicago, um, you may want to go to the Yuri Ekin Gallery and they have some artwork up there that featuring the work of Larry Redman. Um, Do Not Resist, 100 Years of Police Violence. Go and look that up. You know, it's a lot of things happening. For those of you out there that are suffering from this flu, get better, get better, get better, get better. And I did retweet um, the video of the black woman trying to talk to the white politician. You can go out to our Twitter account. Just go through it and you'll see. Um, another thing that people aren't talking about, you know, again, was happening, you know, over in these other countries with the slave trade and, you know, how Africans are being deported out of Israel, um, was happening over in Syria. And you really, really, really need to be um, concerned with what's happening over there in Syria. You know, that's that's something, you know, really, really serious. Um, so, yeah, you got all of that. You know, get a better understanding as to what's happening. So, on that note, huh, on that note, I think I'm done for the day. We're going to wrap it up a little early today. But do some reading and, like I said, grow a backbone and stand up. You know, because I'm just asking questions. But, you know, we really can't afford to sit back and wait and wait and wait because you have too many people out here, especially or some of our so-called allies that are out here that will have you waiting forever. And in addition to having you wait forever, they will um, basically keep moving the goalpost. And, you know, you'll never... You know, you'll never be able to make that punt. And that's done on purpose because they don't want to feel any discomfort. They don't want to answer any questions, you know, that brings them discomfort. You know, they agree with you in concept, but why do you have to do that? Why do you have to do that now? So anyway... You all take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, 
TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 